0: Hi, everyone. I'm Munib. I'm a computer scientist focusing on internet infrastructure. And today, we're going to look at the evolution of the internet. In the 60s, we had mainframes. They were these large, beautiful monsters who would fill up an entire room. Offices would be able to afford just one mainframe, and everyone in the building would just connect to it. People would connect to these mainframes using dumb terminals. These terminals were dumb because nothing exciting was happening there. All the computing was actually happening at the mainframe. The terminals didn't have a soul. They couldn't do any computing. And the mainframe is where all the power was. And IBM was the only monopoly in town. They had a monopoly on the entire industry. But then we started seeing a shift away from mainframes. In the 80s, desktops arrived. And suddenly you had your own computer. It was like buying a new car. It's yours. You can drive anywhere. The entire world is open. Apple actually introduced their desktops, the Macintosh, in this ad. And in in the ad, there's this woman with a hammer who's running. And she throws the hammer at the face of the IBM monopoly. We have our own computers now. We don't need your monopoly. It was a revolutionary moment. Then in the 90s, the Internet arrived. These desktops learned how to talk to each other. You could directly connect with all of your friends. The direct connection here is important. You have your own computer, your friend has her own computer, and your communication line is direct and is no one's business. That was a magical time. (laughs) But then something happened. These big companies, they started building these walled gardens in the middle of the network. These big companies, they started consolidating all the power in the middle of the network. Now, I have to connect to Facebook first. My friend connects to Facebook, and we are talking to each other in their walled garden. We have to blindly trust these companies. They have all of our data. They get hacked, and they lose all of our data. They track us. We've been reduced back to dumb terminals. Our laptops are just screens. They cannot do anything useful without the cloud. All of our computation, all of our data, all of the power, it's with these big companies. We are sadly going through the dark ages of the internet. Google, Facebook, and Apple, they own the internet. And their walled gardens are our digital prisons. We have sadly lost our freedom. But what if We could start again. What if we could build a new internet? What would be the DNA of that new network? We'll have to take a step back first and look at the real world. In the real world, we have property rights. We can actually buy a piece of land. We can build our house there. We can keep all of our belongings there. But on the internet, there's no concept of property rights. We just rent spaces from big companies. In the real world, We have privacy. If you have a picture and you hang it in your living room, only you or your family can look at it. If you invite friends over, they can look at it. If you take a picture online and save it on Google or Dropbox, their engineers can look at it. Anonymous hackers can look at it. Foreign governments can get access to it. Privacy online barely exists. We want to bring the digital world closer to how the real world actually works. We want a new open internet that has a concept of property rights. This is exactly what we are doing at Blockstack. I know it sounds ambitious, but we have already built a new decentralized internet. You download the Blockstack browser, and you can connect to this new second internet. This internet? Only the users have access to their data. There are no big companies in the middle. To understand how this internet works, first we need to understand this technology called blockchains. Blockchains are basically a technology that removes middlemen. I've been doing computer science research for over 15 years now, and I've never seen something this revolutionary. Blockchains give the power back to the people. And I don't take this lightly when I say that this could bring a bigger change in society than the Industrial Revolution. Blockchains were invented in 2009, and the initial application was in payments. So imagine if you want to send a payment to your friend, there are all these big banks and third parties that you trust. I have an account with a bank, I trust my bank, my friend also has an account, and the bank can actually make the transaction on our behalf. The first application of blockchains, Bitcoin, replaced this network with an open network. Anyone can have ownership on that network. You don't need permission from anyone, and you can actually send transactions on this network. Without getting into any technical details, the one thing that you need to understand about blockchains is that you don't need to trust anyone. The network is secured by mathematics and cryptography. So Bitcoin looked at the payment networks and said, we can actually remove all the middlemen, the banks, from it. We started looking at the internet and applied the same technology and said, you can actually remove all these data banks, like Facebook, from the network. So how do you use this network? There's this concept of a crypto token. You can think of them as arcade tokens, just like you buy an arcade token and you can now play a game Similarly, you can buy a crypto token, and you get access to these decentralized networks. You own these crypto networks with a long private key. You could just think of that as a very long password. This technology is so secure that for someone to actually crack a private key, they would need more energy than is present in the entire solar system. And this is not just theoretical. This is not some work happening in a research lab. Crypto networks already have a market cap of $160 billion. Compare that to Google and Facebook, who are at $650 billion and close to $500 billion. But these blockchain networks are not a company. It's a group of developers, businesses, and users who now have a stake in the success of these decentralized networks. Whereas Facebook and Google, they are monopolies. So let's look at how these crypto tokens will impact the new internet. The first thing is that they align incentives, they get everyone to work together towards the same goal. So imagine that everyone has their share in the pie, and if the new network is successful, then everyone benefits. Crypto tokens also secure the network by doing access control. So imagine if email was designed with this new technology, and you actually needed a crypto token to be able to use email. If you're an honest user, and these crypto tokens can cost like a fraction of a cent, you would probably end up spending $2 worth for all the emails you need to send in the entire month. But if you are a spammer, you would actually need to spend millions of dollars to be able to spam everyone with email. That's how these crypto tokens can secure various scarce resources on a decentralized network. In the traditional Internet, there was actually no incentive to innovate at the lower layers of the protocol. These are the actual pipes that deliver your data, or all the open protocols which were used for communication. All the value was actually captured at the application there. This is where the Facebooks and the Googles of the world operate. They have millions of dollars. They can hire the top engineers and basically work on whatever they want to. In a way, they have a monopoly over innovation as well. With these crypto tokens, and a decentralized internet, there is now an incentive to actually innovate at the protocol layer. The protocol becomes a shared resource, a public good that everyone benefits from. So all the developers who are actually working on these protocols, they have an incentive to do that. And this is something that never existed before. The new internet is going to have a lot of impact. I believe the first thing that is going to happen is that we'll see unbundling of data silos like Facebook and LinkedIn. It's not that they're going to disappear, they'll just become less relevant. And we'll have actual good alternatives. Alternatives where we actually own our data and we own the social graph. We'll also see an actual upgrade of our entire digital lives. The internet never had security in mind. People have tried doing patchwork on the internet, but it has never really succeeded. With this new technology, we will, for the first time, see a full upgrade of our entire digital existence. There will be no companies in the middle that can actually leak our data. Hackers would have to come after individual users. Imagine in the real world, If someone wants to rob you, they have to come physically to your house. It's not possible for a robber to just go around and steal from millions of users at the same time. This is how the online world should work as well. It's not just about users. Developers actually don't have access to the kind of data and resources to be able to innovate on the internet. That changes in a crypto economy because it levels the playing field. Developers don't need to get permission from Apple or Google to publish their apps. With less friction to building apps, you'll actually see more innovation, and users will end up getting more choices. So I believe that the future of the Internet is decentralized. In many ways, the new decentralized internet is kind of already here. The software might be a little clunky right now, but it's actually getting better every day. And a great migration to the new internet is starting. It's our responsibility to tell the world about it. And that is exactly why I came here today. Thank you.